Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Carrenti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of the Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all of the support, as always, and this is episode number 100 of the Dynasty Drive. Uh, it's it's kind of exciting for me. I, you know, I don't want to do this often, but give myself a little pat on the back here. 100 episodes in. Uh, you know, I, I never really knew how long this show would make it. So that feels like kind of a cool milestone to hit. And I appreciate anybody who's stuck with the show for a hundred episodes. If you've been listening since the beginning, if you've hopped in recently, I appreciate that support just as much. Uh, and same goes for anybody who's made time to come on the podcast, you know, retweet anything about the podcast, have me on their podcast, whatever the case might be. All that support is uh, super, super appreciated. And, uh, yeah, the show probably wouldn't still be around without it. So greatly appreciated and uh, always, always taken note of. So on today's episode of the podcast, because there is still a podcast, uh, we had Chase Vernon, director of content and media engagement over with Trophy Smack, uh, the creator of Fantasy Intervention, lead betting analyst with Roto Underworld, a ranker at Dynasty Nerds. You've, without question, probably seen him on somebody's live stream or his own live stream over the last couple of years on Twitter, I wanted to have Chase on to talk with uh, kind of a metric that he took has been taking note of or tracking and kind of championing and calls it the dose score. Uh, so the dump off containment efficiency score and tracks kind of how pass catching running backs perform against some uh, defenses that don't thrive against them and how you can apply that knowledge to fantasy football especially from a DFS perspective, but we also talked about how it may have impacted Chase's valuation of running backs in Dynasty Leagues as well. So really good conversation. Uh, runs for about 25 minutes or so. We get into all of it. If you're not already, you can follow Chase on Twitter at FF underscore intervention. And here we go, about a half hour conversation with Chase Vernon about the dose score. All right, joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Chase Vernon. Chase is the director of content media engagement with Trophy Smack, creator of Fantasy Intervention, a million other things. If you've been on Twitter in the last, I don't know, year or two, you've undoubtedly seen him live someplace. Chase, I don't know if you know either, but this is episode 100 of the <laughs> Dynasty Drive. So you are the, the special guest on episode 100. I appreciate you joining me. Woo, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go 100, baby. Let's do this. Yes. Yes. Let's go. Good stuff, man. I appreciate you coming on. I wanted to have you on so we could talk. Uh, something I thought was interesting that I know you tracked a lot last year, and that was the dose score and pass catching running backs and defenses containing them. And if you could, can you maybe expand, I guess, from a you know overarching view what exactly it was that you were charting for anybody that might not be familiar and what you kind of learned with that process. Yeah, absolutely, man. What's going on everybody first off. Thank you for bringing me on Anthony. Really appreciate that. Uh, you know, the dose score is the dump off containment efficiency score. Essentially it measures the defense's ability to contain a running back because, you know, we, we try to find these things. It started out with DFS. Of course, we try to find these, these key matchups and DFS to where we can exploit it because, the minimum amount that you can pay for running back is 4K. However, some running backs, they go for as much as 10K. So you got to try and figure out which running backs can produce to give you an opportunity to produce, uh, you know, up against which defenses, especially when they're super cheap. You know, you talk about like the Naeem Hines of the world or let's see the, I don't know, the Chris Evans of the world, right? Like there are just certain running backs where you know that you could have a specific advantage from week to week. 
So I wanted to try and exploit that. And it's been it's been a lot of fun trying to figure that out, but developed the dose score for it. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you said. I know it started from DFS and obviously trying to capitalize and exploit the the market and what the maybe inefficiencies in the market are for especially pass catching running backs, but has it shifted to how you value running back at all in dynasty or redraft like season long formats or you kind of lean mostly just on a daily perspective? So when it comes to redraft, right? Like, you know, when I started doing this basic fantasy player, I, I dabbled in dynasty and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I started to learn a little bit of the depth. And, and when I first started putting this together, it was probably like five years ago, but it was all in my head. I, I didn't even own a laptop at the time. Like I did everything from my phone, like no idea what the hell I was doing. Didn't know how to put together a spreadsheet. So I could kind of tell from week to week. I'm like, okay, I remember this defense is really bad up against pass catching running backs. I know this guy, if the defense or if the offense is down, they typically end up going to this guy towards the third or fourth quarter. So I started kind of trying to put it into perspective and it kind of gave me a better understanding. So back around this time I started to develop it, I was really big on picking up handcuffs, you know, late in the draft, right. And, and running backs who, could potentially offer me value if something might happen. However, as I developed this, uh, this dose score, I started realizing that if I know when to play these guys and I can check out their schedule and I can kind of predict, Hey, I'll be able to use this running back this week, this running back this week. It kind of allowed me to not only steer away from like going too hard at the running back early, but to also not have to worry about handcuffs and to get value from week to week from, excuse me, from specific running backs uh, who will give you an advantage, you know, in the back end of certain weeks, especially once the the playoffs come along. So that was pretty much where I started to go to is I was like, okay, if I can pick up JD McKissick, right. And I know that, they end up playing the the Seahawks, who were bad in certain years up against the the pass catching running backs. Arizona was another team that was really brutal a few years ago. I was like, okay, well, if I can pick up this guy in this offense, I can play him and not have to worry about handcuffs. Like if my running back gets hurt, so what? I can still stream these guys. I can still play them because a lot of them were on waivers too in redraft. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And waivers is exactly what I was going to touch on next because to your point. A lot of them left on waivers and redraft, but I think on like a smaller scale and, you know, maybe a not, not as, not quite as valuable scale. Some of those guys still kick around on, you know, the, the waiver wire and the dynasty leagues that maybe aren't super deep or don't have crazy big benches like a lot of them do. So uh, even on a week to week basis there, I mean, last year, you notice guys kind of hanging around the waiver wire that you could kind of plug in on a week to week basis. And I think it's contributed to a lot of people you know, maybe getting away from hammering running back, running back early, even in redraft where it's like, maybe you go that kind of hero RB mold and I take one in round one or round two, and then just leave it for dead for a little bit till I can uh, fill it out with those type of guys later. Yeah. I mean, the perfect example of, of this player is Kyle Huszczyk, right? Kyle Huszczyk's a fullback for the 49ers. Um, I feel like the 49ers, the Bengals are another team. They literally just, they stare at the dose score all day. They definitely go to fantasyintervention.com slash D O C E <laughs> and they end up going and they check out the dose score and they just they just watch it. And they're like, oh, this team sucks up against pass catching running backs. We should throw Kyle Huchek out there because nobody's gonna be able to tackle him if he does get into the open field. And since Chase said, you know, this is the route we should go, we should definitely utilize that. So there's certain teams that don't use the dose score, uh, and then there's certain teams that do. I believe the 49ers were so that, 
for example, this past season, let's check this out. By the way, the dose score is measured when you end up getting more or less than eight points in the receiving game for running back. So the reason why I ended up put the eight points level right there is because typically running backs that don't catch a lot of passes, right? Um, in order for them to get over the threshold of what their value is. So for example, if you have a guy who's 6K, you want to see about 15 points from that player. Well, if he ends up putting up, I believe it's eight points in the receiving game, then that would end up pushing him over that value perspective. So he averages nine points per game. He's 6K because, hey, this guy might be hurt. But in order to hit his value, uh, he's going to have to put up, or I'm sorry, seven points, excuse me. Uh, he's going to have to put up eight points in the receiving game in order for him to accomplish this amount. So this team allows eight points to be scored on them in the receiving game on average, and then it's, it's ranked on a certain score from that. So, uh, for example, Washington was absolutely brutal up against pass kitchen running backs. Huszczyk put up 9.8 points. Arizona, another team, bottom five. Uh, he put up 15.3 points against them. Portion of it was because of the receiving game. So, yeah, each one of these uh, has their, their own reasons behind it, of course. But typically it's trying to find that, that team that allows either touchdowns in the red zone or just tons and tons of targets because they're playing prevent defense. That's a big reason why. But, you know, trying to, to narrow it down based off of, oh, this team's good, so they're going to be playing prevent defense. That's not always the case. Um, let me look up real quick. Uh, the, the top teams up against the dose score, the Dallas Cowboys were one of them. They were up in most of their games. The Los Angeles Chargers, you know, were, were up there. They were up in most games. Um, those are actually teams that, that were good up against pass catch and running backs. Meanwhile, some of the teams that were absolutely abysmal were also some teams that were terrible as a whole. The Seattle Seahawks were the worst team up against pass catch and running backs. The Jets were the third worst team up against pass catch and running backs. Washington, where we already talked about Minnesota. So like, there's no real trend as to like, Hey, this guy's definitely going to be bad. This guy's definitely going to be good. You just have to take the certain factors, uh, put it into the system. Obviously that I, I feel like I haven't perfected yet, but I'm hitting it over at an 80% rate or 78% rate. Excuse me. Um, that I mean, like you don't get those kind of stats that that hit at that rate that often. Yeah, it doesn't hit at you know over seventy eight percent on accident, right? There's <laughs> got to be something to it. Yeah. Um, one thing that popped into my head as you were talking about that and kind of the teams that were abysmal just in general against these sort of backs. How do you treat it? Like, especially from a DFS lens, like coming into week one of this season, if there's a team that. I don't know, has had big personnel changes or big coaching changes. Like, is there anything in particular that you're either like leaning into or steering a weird, a steering like clear of, especially week one as it approaches, like, or just kind of steady as she goes and make some tweaks if necessary following whatever we see early on. So this is an inner conflict that I have to deal with. And, you know, we talked pre-show about how, um, you know, I'm going to have a tough time because everything going on of keeping up with the dose score this year. And it's going to be something I'm going to really try to, to make sure I stay on top of, but um, predicting what's going to happen is almost impossible because yeah. some teams will switch. Like if, if defense coordinators are one of the biggest, uh, you know, indicators of whether it's going to be the same team as was this year compared to last year. But if a defensive coordinator comes in and they don't bring in any defense to help out the defensive coordinator, you know, you're not going to see 
great results. Uh, I think a good example of this was the Carolina Panthers. Or I should say the opposite example of this was a, the Carolina Panthers when they spent every single pick that they had in on in the NFL draft mm-hmm. on a defensive player in what was that 2020? I think so. Right? Yeah, 2020. Well, the year before that, they were one of the worst teams in terms of the dose score. That next year, not only did they change defense coordinator, they added seven players in the the draft. They added like at least five in the free agency. I mean, they were a whole different team uh, in 2020 versus 2019. So, like to to try to guess what's going to happen or estimate what's going to happen based off last year is kind of asinine. Mm-hmm. However, if a team doesn't change very much from the previous year, I think it's completely predictive because we're not saying oh, this team gives up X amount of fantasy points, so they're bad. It actually takes in a factor that ranks or rate, rates the pass catchers that they face, and it applies the stats the pass catchers that they face put up, and then ends up giving the defense a score as well. So they kind of play off each other to an extent. So, like, for example, Los Angeles Rams, uh, they were allowing – 11 fantasy points per game to pass catching backs who played at least 10 snaps in the games. That would actually be the fourth worst dose score on the entire slate. However, they're, they're 22nd overall. So, I mean, that's what six, yeah, about six or so uh, jump in in rankings. Mm -hmm. And it's because they ended up facing a 1.94 pass catching back score. That was the hardest schedule, I believe, on the entire slate by a wide margin. Hmm. Um, the next closest was a 1.88. So after that, it's all in the, the 1.7s. Wow. So, like, yeah. So, I mean, the Rams had a very, very tough schedule. And although they still allowed 11 points, two pass catching backs, um, you know, you, you can't just sit there and say, oh, well, they were a bad team up against pass catching running backs. That's not the case. They're actually pretty damn good. They just faced a really tough schedule or I shouldn't say pretty damn good, but they were about average, you know, maybe slightly subpar. Uh, Meanwhile, you, Oh wait, I do have a team, the Chicago bears who allowed 8.8 fantasy points per game to pass catching running backs. They actually faced the toughest schedule. I apologize. 1.99, but they only allowed 8.8. So like that team is dominant up against pass catching running backs. Um, Yeah. You know, it, it, you just have to, you have to balance both out Uh, a team that allowed only seven points to pass catching running backs, but they had the one of the easiest schedule, if not the easiest. Uh, let's see. They, they had a 1.34, which would be, let's see, third easiest was the Green Bay Packers. But yet they still allowed seven points to pass catching running backs. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting where it all kind of falls in. Yeah, for sure. Has it influenced the way you play Dynasty? Like, has it changed the way you value running back in Dynasty or not so much? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's tough to predict from year, or like I was talking about, it was tough to predict from year to year as to your question. So sometimes, yes, but when I can take a running back who has a very difficult schedule up against very difficult teams in terms of the pass catch running back scores, and yet they're still putting up points, there's a outlier that exists all over the place. Like the Christian McCaffrey's. The, the Austin Ecklers and the DeAndre Swifts, I actually almost did not include them in this year's dose score, um, but I felt like it skewed the numbers too much by not putting them in. So mm-hmm. I just gave them a, a, a little bit of a boost in their score to make sure that it wasn't uh, harming it. But like 
people ask me all the time, like, hey, this team is facing the top team up against the dose score this week. Like, should we play them? And I'm like, yeah, like these guys are outliers. They are always going to get targets. However, guys like Naeem Hines and stuff, I think we can almost tend to fade them in Dynasty because all of their value relies on that stuff. And if we're trying to figure out, you know, which weeks to play them in, like, could they kill your roster? Like, if you end up relying on the dose score at that point where it's just solely that, you're not going to play him most weeks. You're going to play him three or four weeks in the season top. So sure. I'd much rather fade him at that point. That makes sense. Um, so say you go, I don't know, I guess let's talk about kind of running back bigger as a whole, especially as it pertains to Dynasty. Because I think kind of a hot thing lately has been, you know, these guys, like it always is, outside the top 12, 15, 18, 24, whatever you want to do. So who are some guys maybe – um and that running back three range you know outside the top 24 within maybe the top 36 or 40 whatever it is that you do value from a dynasty perspective uh whether pass for pass catching reasons for other reasons handcuff reasons who are some guys that you like outside the top 24 at the position um kenny gainwell is oh yeah let's go yeah, Kenny Gainwell is, is going to be a lock for me. Not only does he have standalone value if Miles Sanders gets hurt, I don't think the same thing's going to happen that happened last year, first off. Mm. Uh, I think they retained Boston Scott, but that's the only running back I believe they retained, question mark? I believe uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, Kenny Gainwell will have a second year in this offense. He went to a small school prior to that, so like he didn't end up getting a ton of, of work up against experience at the time, so that's probably why they faded Kenny Gainwell. Uh, meanwhile, he's still a compliment to Miles Sanders, and he has standalone value to an extent as long as they continue to rotate the backs. Miles Sanders only sees about a 60% snap share. So I love Kenny Gainwell. Uh, you know, I, I paid up for him last year, unfortunately, right before the injury. And the injury hit, and I'm like, hell yeah. Like, let's give, like, give it all to Kenny Gainwell. It turns out that didn't work out. But I'm still <laughs> on board. I'm still on board with Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, I love the Kenny Gainwell call. I would have to look, but I would wager he's probably one of my one of the players I have the highest exposure to in Dynasty because the cost to acquire has been fairly cheap for a bit now. And I agree. I think he's got standalone value with the, uh, the ceiling for way more because for whatever reason, the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't love Miles Sanders as much as other people want them to love Miles Sanders. And they tell us this time and time again, I feel like. But uh, yeah, I think Kenny Gainwell is going to have a role this year for sure anybody else you like um where is Devin singletary sitting right now i bet outside the top 24 i have to pull it up but people hate Devin singletary for whatever reason well i mean i understand why it's because they keep on trying to replace him right which yeah. sucks but at the same time like Devin singletary first off they're saying that he's going to get the majority of snaps um but james cook is going to be the hot dude in training camp right he's gonna be making all these plays he's gonna be that guy you know, that everybody kind of gravitates towards. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Devin Singletary has shown that he can handle it towards the tail end of the last season. He had finishes from week 14 on of 14th, RB14, RB7, RB10, RB5, RB3, RB2, RB4. Like, what? That's insane. Like, you don't do that. Yeah. Sure, he ended up facing, in two of those games, Atlanta and New Jersey. For the rest of the games, Tampa Bay, who, for the majority of the season, was top 10. I think they ended up finishing, like, top 16, top half in the league. Up against running backs. Carolina, really good up against running backs. New England, really good up against running backs, although they did give a little bend but don't break type, you know, atmosphere. Still pretty good up against running backs. Atlanta and Jets, get it? But then New England again, and then Kansas City to finish it out. You know, man. 
still, like you're talking about Devin Singletary, the lead back, and probably one of the highest scoring offenses in the league in 2022. Uh, he's catching passes now. He had reception totals of four, three, two, five, six, and then had two bad or two rough games where he didn't have those receptions. I mean, that, that's still something that you want a piece of. Uh, what can you get him for now? Like a late second round pick? Are you kidding me? Oh, Grab I bet him where you can. can. Yeah, I. I feel like 99% of the time you float out a late two for Singletary and you can buy him that, at that price all day long. Fuck but what's yeah. crazy to me is that, and I like James Cook. I don't want to sound like this is, I don't like James Cook the player at all. But I think it's crazy that we're kind of, a lot of people are assuming that James Cook, who's never had more than 113 carries in a college season and who's never had more than, 27 receptions in a college season i get the projection i get what he could be great at and i get that it's a high-powered offense but i think it's kind of fool's gold to assume that he could come in and take all of devin singletary's work this year so uh, i love devin singletary as kind of a, a a win now buy. you know if you need to fill out running back depth and just kind of trying to load up a roster to make a run this year i love that one yeah james cook like love is kind of mind-numbing to an extent but go ahead like go after him i'm not saying don't go after him for real but I am kind of sarcastic when I'm saying, oh, yeah, go after him. <laughs> like, throw all your chips in. Like, I mean, I saw him go number three in a dynasty draft that I was in recently. That's, that makes no that's sense wild. to me. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's just, just uh, yeah, reaching on bad running back value, passing up wide receivers for it, which uh, don't do that, you know. Trade, all for, right. trade for need, draft for value. So I have Jerry McNichols, who just signed with the Steelers today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Jerry McNichols, but no, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's not the place that's going to happen for him, unfortunately. They still got, um, uh, what's his name, McFarland, and, of course, Benny Snell. Yep. Uh, that, that's, he's a practice squad guy for now. But Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon, there's a very real chance that he actually comes out and he's the starting running back for the Chiefs. Don't forget how he finished the season last year, right? He was dominating for that final stretch. Also, he knows how to pass block. Right? That's something that Ronald Jones does not do well. That's something yeah. that Clyde Edwards Lair is brutal at. Like, we talk about like having a three down back and Jarek McKinnon, if he can stay healthy, that's a league winner. That's a Cordell Patterson type pick. That's like Galaxy Brainton the nine, but at the same time, he knows how to pass block and he can still run. As long as he's healthy, dude, that's wheels up for, for McKinnon. He's what they hoped like Clyde Edwards Hilaire would become, like a better mm -hmm. version of him. But it turns out that like Jared McKinnon is a better version of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He just can't stay healthy all the time. Another guy that I like kind of in that same sort of price range is Daryl Williams. Like Kansas City popped him back into my head, even though he's with the Cardinals now. Because if I was to bet, I'm not going to bet on James Conner being healthy for the whole season. Um, I hope he is, but I just, I don't know. It's a big bet on staying healthy for a guy who's had trouble staying healthy and a big bet on maintaining that same touchdown volume. Um, and Darrell Williams, I think you can get pretty cheap a lot of the time. So if another guy that, you know, if it goes right, I think it could be wheels up. For whatever we don't know about the weird stuff Cliff will do, Cliff wants to run the ball up the middle near the goal line. And somebody's going to get those touches, whether it's Jeff, Tyler Murray. Yeah, but it's the same reason last year, and I get why people did it, but all offseason, last offseason, people paid through the nose for Chase Edmonds and faded James Conner because James Conner didn't feel good. Like, it didn't feel good to take James Conner, but 
it could have all went right. And it did like all he, he got a ton of red zone work, a ton of goal line work, and it paid off with touchdowns. If he can't stay healthy, I think Daryl Williams could do nearly the same thing and way outperform whatever he costs you right now. You need some stuff to happen in front of it, but you know, could go right. So you're on the right track. You're on the right track, but you, you're missing it by just a hair. You know, uh, his, his name is Eno. His name is Eno <laughs> Benjamin, baby. Eno, Eno, let's go. I hope so, man. I hope so. I still have some Eno shares kicking around. <laughs> I have a ton of them. I've I've invested and reinvested after dropping them in a couple places. He's my dude. Eno Benjamin season. Let's do it. God, I can't wait, man. Him, Rondell Moore, let's go. And Isabella's coming back too, I heard. He's going to be the wide receiver one in the offense with Marquise Brown as the number two. <laughs> Rondo Moore is going to be playing the Chase Edmonds role. So, you know, it's just going to be all my guys all in one area. I was kind of, I don't want to say notably out, but I was fairly out on Rondell last season. But I'm in on Rondell at price at the price it costs to get him this season. It's so disgusting how cheap it is. And I'm so, so mad cheap. at myself. I'm so mad at myself because I ended up trading away Justin Herbert um, in one of my leagues, single quarterback league. I traded away Justin Herbert in Dynasty League for the 112. I had the 111. I was trading away for the 112 and a 2023 first. And when you think single quarterback league, that's not terrible. Like two first round picks for a quarterback. Hell yeah. Well, I didn't really have anybody at the time. Uh, so I decided to take Trevor Lawrence because I was such a big believer in Trevor Lawrence. But the only reason why I took Trevor Lawrence is because I wanted to take Rondo Moore as well. And so I traded uh, I traded Herbert away so that I could take both Trevor Lawrence and Rondo Moore in the same one. Both those picks end up ominous. My worst dynasty trade I've made in the history of dynasty. <laughs> it is the worst dynasty trade I've made in his. I've made some great trades. Like, like I'm the master of trades, I feel like. That is the worst trade, and uh, they're they're both sophomores, right? So maybe it's not as bad as I think it is. Like maybe it ends yeah. up going off. It's still got but time. To date, as of right now, that is my worst trade, and I still got the 2023 first. So by the start of the next year, that could be doing a 180 at this point, probably. Yeah. But as of right now, it's my worst trade. That's all right. Everybody's got a bad one somewhere. They can't all win. <laughs> All right, man. Well, do you have, if you had to give, I guess, a couple quick, you know, one, two, three, you know, tips for somebody if they're either new to Dynasty or how you think they should treat the running back position, what's like your elevator pitch for them, how you would tell them to treat it moving forward in their leagues? Yeah. Um, I've always been somebody that's been heavy on running back early, right? Like, go get your dudes. Like, you know, I can't even tell you how many shares of Swift and Jonathan Taylor I have on the same team because, like, I just went so heavy on running backs, you know, year after year after year. I want my guys. I want the young studs. I want those those dudes who I know is going to get a huge workload. And turns out that last year, four of the six leagues that I won out of 18 leagues um, for Dynasty, uh, four of the six ones that I won all ended up having some form of zero RB type strategy. Maybe not zero, but like hero where mm-hmm. you have like one dude and yeah. then you have like stud wide receivers. Now, a lot of these studs were, you know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. So like I got kind of lucky with the guys that I did invest in. But uh, I feel like as long as you are focused on not rostering 
more wide receivers, which sounds kind of backwards, right? Because I'm saying like, hey, don't go after running backs, but also don't go after wide receivers. Get the stud wide receivers who you know are going to be consistent uh, or at best, you know, or try to be consistent for the most part. And then spend the whole rest of like the latter part of your drafts picking up handcuffs for other running backs. You know, we know that 25% of the running backs aren't going to be healthy for the entire year minimum, probably closer to 50%. So you're going to get weeks that you can use them. And then weeks that you don't use them, you can pick up role players such as Jaden McKissick, you know, like these guys who can who can play a role in your your running back room in terms of like filling in, right? Because like you might not need that if you can get 20 points out of Justin Jefferson, 20 points out of Jamar Chase, and 20 points out of A.J. Brown or somebody like that, you know, in one week. So all you need is eight points. So if you're following the dose score, right, and you can pick up some of these backing guys off of waivers who might be that pass-catching option, just follow the dose score, and and you'll be able to win a championship going that route. I, I didn't think that I'd be able to, but that kind of proved myself wrong. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great point. And what's the link where people can find it online? Is it fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E? That's it. Fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E. Chase Vernon, he's on Twitter, at FF underscore intervention, does fantastic stuff with Trophy Smack. And where else do you do everything now, Chase? I feel like you're still all a million different places. So where can everybody find any of the work that you're putting out? So I'm the lead betting analyst slash senior writer at playerprofiler.com or Roto Underworld. We also have some big news coming out as well for another venture that I have. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, that'll be coming soon as well. And then uh, I'm a ranker over there at Dynasty Nerds. And uh, God, some yards better than no yards, which is where we teach kids uh, with special needs how to play fantasy football. It's another thing that, that I like to focus on. I don't know, man. There's just so much stuff going on. I can't even keep track of it all. Of course, Fantasy Intervention, YouTube.com slash Fantasy Intervention on Wednesday nights with Jacob and Shane. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, I appreciate you making some time in your schedule and being the uh, highly anticipated, hotly anticipated guest on the 100th episode. Of yeah, the let's go. <laughs> let's go, baby. I appreciate it, Chase. No, anytime. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Anytime you need me, I'll be here. Cool, man. I'll talk to you later. Later. Thanks again to Chase for taking the time to join me and break down the dose score, break down pass catching running backs, break down some values at the running back position that people need to be keeping an eye on. Great conversation. Chase does great stuff. He's a busy dude, and I appreciate him taking some time out to hop on episode number 100. So, uh, again, I appreciate all the support for the podcast in general. If you're not already, and I don't think I mentioned it at the top like I normally do, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. You can follow the show on Instagram, which is a little neglected, but we'll get back to it. It's at the Dynasty Drive. You can like the show on Facebook, and there's plenty more good stuff to come. Uh, we're not going to slow down with the podcast anytime soon. It's been a while since I've thrown this clip out there, but... Uh, Let me tell you something. I haven't even begun to peak. We haven't even begun to peak. We'll have lots of great content coming over what's left of the offseason through training camp, preseason, all that stuff. The regular season will be here, and then we'll get back into you know, rookies, draft content, the stuff that we really get fired up about here. So again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty Drive. While we're talking about it, if you're not already, make sure to check out uh, the Rookie Big Board Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash rookie big board for as cheap as three bucks a month. Uh, you can gain access to 
our consensus dynasty rankings, Debbie rankings, college fo- college fantasy football rankings, an incredible Discord channel, awesome stuff. And check out uh, patreon.com slash the Debbie Royale, where you can, for a few bucks a month, get access to the Debbie Manifesto, which is a behemoth of a document. I think it's over three or 400 pages at this point of everything you need to know for Debbie and college fantasy, C2C, all that stuff. Uh, p- plenty of awesome stuff to check out. So if you would and you have some time, check those out. Greatly appreciated. And we will be back next week with uh, episode number 101 of the Dynasty Drive. And we'll talk to you guys then. Thanks. Yeah.